Hey guys, I want to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. And how do I know? Because Todd Orndorff on a podcast now switched to Anchor. And it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Can you imagine not having to lug all of your equipment every place you go to do an interview or record? You can do it all right from your phone. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to be heard, they send you there. You do the fun stuff, they do the hard stuff. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm not scared. No, 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 I'm not scared. You threw me off the air. Things haven't changed. <laughs> I'm a podcast veteran. You know who I'm better than? Athea veteran since back in the day. <laughs> What's up, what's up, and good evening to you. This is Todd Orner from the Talkcast coming at you from the great state of PA, Central PA to be exact. My name is Todd Orndorf. I'll be your party host for this evening. You know, it's been a long time since I've been able to talk to you guys, and I've been able to put on a show, and I'm not going to get into many details about why, other than it was over a whole controversial episode. After I announced the topic of that particular show, there was quite a bit of anticipation because it was going to be hard-hitting. It was going to be no BS. Call it like I see it. I'll forever be happy to say that I did deliver the message, but it was regarded to be negative by some. It was up for six hours. The downloads were coming in at such a rapid rate, and then I was shut down. So I guess I can say haters gone hate, but in the end, we won because now we are back on the air. Wait a second, if he's back on the air, does that mean he's still going to do all those annoying voices? Since this show started two years ago, it's been primarily sports in the outdoors. We're going to change things up from here on out, and in case you're wondering, well, he's afraid he's going to get thrown off the air again and such, no, it has nothing to do with that. Because to this day, I don't think I was wrong. But I want to reach a broader audience, because what we did our first go-around was awesome. We reached people from all over the world. Multiple countries were downloading. You guys were listening in. And now I want to go bigger. I want to go further. I want to make this as big as we can. It's still going to be funny. It's still going to be goofy. But this time, I don't want it to be just sports in the outdoors. This time, it's going to be different topics, multiple topics, some that other people can relate to as well, but you will still find interesting. I'm still going to do interviews. Since the show has been off, I've still lined up interviews just in case the show were to ever come back. And now that we're back, I'm going to have those people on. So I hope you guys are excited about the future of this show like I am. I have had so many changes in my life. I have moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, moved back to where I'm from, Most importantly, I have gained a daughter. My family and I have had a daughter. She just turned one. Her name is Lola. She's a beautiful little girl. Today, getting ready for Father's Day that's coming up, we actually did a photo shoot together. She was in this cute little dress. I was in my suit and tie. Shout out to Spreza Box because that's where I got my tie from. Got to be a little bit rainy here in Central PA, but the photo shoot turned out well. For the photo shoot, we were fortunate enough to have Organic Memories do our photography. 
This time of year, it's all about diamonds, wedding dresses, and choosing the right photographer to capture the most important day of your life. Organic Memories Photography can give you just that. With years of experience and a steady hand, your special day will live on forever. If you are not in need of a wedding photographer but need family photos, maternity photos, or engagement photos, as well as many other types of photography, check out OrganicMemoriesPhoto.com. This episode is extremely special to me. One, because I'm returning to podcasting after a little bit of a hiatus. And secondly, is because of this interview that I'm about to play it for you. The TV show 13 Reasons Why is a big hit in my home. It's a big hit in many homes. Maybe yours at this very moment. Maybe you watch the show. Maybe you've read many things about the show. It's a controversial subject. And if you've listened to my show for a long time, you know I like controversy. It gets people talking and you get to learn who people are and get to learn how they think. This episode and this interview is dedicated to... Everybody out there that struggled in school or is currently struggling in their everyday life. This is a very important episode to me because it hits me personally and it affects friends of mine every single day. I have a 15-year-old boy on from the state of Maryland that has gone through some struggles himself personally. He felt a connection with the show 13 Reasons Why. We talk about the similarities between schools in the show and schools in real life we talk about bullies we talk about how it affects him personally how they have affected me personally the fact that i stutter and everything that i have gone through in my life in school and how at 31 years old moments like that still affect me to this day i still think about them i still talk about them and i graduated high school 13 years ago but they're still within me this is a very important episode Not just for people who watch the show that might want somebody else's perspective. It's incredible that we get the opportunity right now on this show to have the perspective of a 15-year-old high school student that is going through some things himself. This episode is emotional because you hear a young boy that is incredibly mature for his age. I'm so proud of this kid. I am so proud that he was able to muster up the guts to come on here and open up and express things at such a young age and do it with confidence and do it with the mindset of me sharing some stories may help somebody else. He recognizes that at this age. We go into comparisons. We go into real life stories. Take this to heart. Learn from it. If you're one of the people that causes problems, Listen to what it can do to other people. Tip your hat to this young man because he deserves it. If you enjoy this show, share this. Get this young man out there and get his story told. Get his voice heard. The show 13 Reasons Why is a big hit in my home. Yeah. It's a huge hit in my home, actually. It's a great show. It is a phenomenal show, and there's a lot of controversy over it, which I guess can be... Um, expected yeah this is one of the most shows that's most opinionated like everyone has their own preference about it favorite characters like all that for instance the other day i went to work i got a phone call it was my girlfriend in a complete panic something i couldn't believe that i was hearing i have a four-year-old son and i have a one-year-old daughter i thought that something happened to my kids because she was unable to get a word out yeah. And the reason why is because she binge-watched the entire second season. 
Oh, yeah. And it was the final episode. I don't know if you saw the entire second season. Yeah, I watched, I watched both of them all the way through. So you saw the Tyler scene. Oh, yeah, that was disgusting. That is why she called me. Um, oh, yeah. that I was, like, tense watching that the whole time. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I haven't got to see it yet, but I've read enough and I've heard enough. <clears throat> where I don't know, like, I'm, I'm confused on if I want to see it, because I feel like I already know, which I, yeah. I think I do already know what happens. The way her voice was, and the way that she was unable to speak, it, it spoke to me on, on the realism of the show, and how, how much of an impact it is making on people. Yeah. So from a 15-year-old's perspective, we're gonna start at season one, and we're gonna jump around everywhere on this, alright? Yeah. This is one of the things I was talking about with my girlfriend. If you had to pinpoint a person, one of the 13 reasons, one of the people that caused Hannah Baker to do what she did, is it possible to put the blame on one person more than another? Was there somebody that stood out to you that might have pushed her over the edge more than another? I don't think it was a specific person. I think it was more so like, like in high school, it's it's all based off of like groups and like what group you run with. I think it more had to do with the group Bryce and all them because they were all involved in their own specific way, but then at the same time they were like I don't think it was one person in specific. I think it's just a group of popular kids against one of the new girls kind of makes it like unfair in the first place. All right, so let me ask you this: Are you an athlete of any kind? Yes. What sport do you play, or sports? Basketball, football, soccer. <clears throat> I'm gonna have to grill you later on after the show on the soccer thing, but <laughs> yeah. But I was an athlete growing up. I still still play baseball to this day. I didn't see anything remotely close to the things we see. I've been in tons of locker rooms, many different people, and I have never, I've never witnessed anything personally. With multiple personalities in my locker room, I've never witnessed anything that would that would resemble anything in the show that happened with all those jocks. Our president Donald Trump he mentioned whenever something came out about you know, boys being boys in locker room talk and such. That does happen, absolutely, one hundred percent, especially in your teen years. But the physicality of things I personally have never witnessed. As a 15-year-old athlete who plays three different sports, I'm not going to say where you're from or nothing, but is there any resemblance from what you've seen in the show to what happens in your locker rooms? So I feel like what I've noticed is that the show kind of takes things that may happen and makes them, like, more drastic. So, like, for example... I've heard people, like, talk bad about somebody in a locker room, but not to the extent as they do on the show and not things as serious. And it's never gotten to a point where it was, like, like, the whole time, it was really just talking bad behind someone's back. Yeah, well, that, unfortunately, and I know you're only 15 years old, but unfortunately, no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, no matter what you do in life, no matter your career choice, friends, whatever, that's going to happen. That's oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way of the world. And at 15, I'm sure you know that already. Yeah. 
But I like it where you said people will talk about each other, but for TV, it's appearing in, I guess we want to say, a more amplified way. I believe the reason why is controversy creates cash. Yeah. Because it's so controversial, people want to watch it, people want to see what happens next, yeah. they want to know the stories, they want to know the horror, Yeah. Like, and what happens when it happens. You get viewers, you make money. Yeah, like, it's not always about if it's realistic, it's just like, people like drama. It's like the sad truth, so anything that has complications, people just enjoy for some reason. So, if they were to keep it, like realistic and just have people talking behind each other's back in the show it wouldn't be as interesting that's 100 percent true and that's where the that's where the old saying controversy creates cash comes from yeah we spoke about the jocks in the school in yeah. the show and the jocks in real life at your school yeah the way that the jocks appear in the show is they're always together side by side wearing yeah. their letterman's jackets walking down the halls when i was in school it wasn't like that, at least not all the time. Um, of course, if you're in a locker room, you got some teammates. There is a bit of a family atmosphere because in, because what's every athlete's job is to win. And you can't do that if you don't collectively come together. Yeah. And that's just not on the field. you got to have each other's backs all the time. I firmly believe that. Is it like that in your school right now? Wait, so, wait, you're 15. Are you a freshman? Yes. Are, are the seniors in real life nowadays acting socially the same way that they do on the show? It honestly depends on, like, like the groups. For the most part, from what I see, like, day to day, the seniors tend to just, like, mind their business. Like, they just worry about themselves for the most part. When it comes to, like, the sports teams, it's hard to tell. Like, there's some that will get along and be, like, really close, and then some... Some people, like, I've literally heard people be like, I don't like this person, but I'm cool with them because we're on the same team. That's where the coming together collectively for the common goal, as in winning a game. Yeah. That's where that comes into play. Yeah. And the thing with, like, like you said how they walk down the halls with, like, the jackets on, I feel like that was, like, a symbol of, like, their power. In the school, they pretty much, like, ran everything just because of, like, they were the popular group. And it's almost like they almost like ran the school. I feel like that's not that doesn't really happen common high schools. Like there's not really one specific group who everyone knows. It's pretty much just like there's different groups of different types of people and everyone just minds their business for the most part. I would agree with that. That was the same way. I graduated back in 2005. If I were to take a step back in my lifetime, watch a show, the only time I ever saw anybody walk through school, even even the slightest resemblance of what we see on 13 Reasons Why, it was on, on game days. The football players would wear their uniforms. Yeah, the teams will wear... This is like all the sports teams, though, like lacrosse, baseball... Basketball, they have to wear, like, dress attire, and football wears their jerseys. But, yeah, they'll wear jerseys. Something I noticed that was kind of odd to me is the marching band will wear their, like, jackets. It's almost like the marching band is more proud of the school than the sports teams sometimes. Because you'll see the marching band kids wear the jackets all the time, while the sports teams will only wear 
anything representing the school on a game day. So let's get a little real for a second. Right. So my time in school, I got, I don't really want to, to me, I have a hard time putting a definition on high school bullying. We're all kids. Yeah, the way I see bullying is, that's also a very controversial topic. I feel like it's more so on how the person takes it. Like You mean if they're able to laugh it off or if they take it to heart? Yeah, like if, say you say something to someone and they're not sure if you're joking or not, some people won't pay any attention. They're just like, oh, whatever. But some people will, like, think about it all day and let it get to them. And I feel like it almost just depends on whoever the victim is. I feel like it depends on, like, their mindset. Well, let me tell you, I was a combination of both. I don't know, maybe maybe by nature I'm just, in a way, a sensitive guy. Because in school, I got, uh, like I said, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, if it's proper to say bullying or just harassed. I was born with minor cerebral palsy a lot of people didn't believe me back in the day because i was an athlete i was fully functional i'm not crippled i'm not in a wheelchair which most of the time people with cerebral palsy are in wheelchairs and crippled the part that affects me the part of my brain affects my speech and the part of my speech is the stuttering because of cerebral palsy i stutter and you can never grow out of cerebral palsy, so I will never grow out of stutter. Yeah. Now, I've taken some routes throughout my life to help build my confidence, which in a way has helped swerve it, although I will never grow out of it. Teenagers will be teenagers, young kids will be young kids. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't have filters. And I was one of the kids that always got picked on for it, multiple names. I would be the one that would laugh it off. Yeah. On the outside, but on the inside, I was like, a, a, I was like, my foundation was just crumbling and I was just falling into a pile of rocks. Yeah. The one thing I really regret, and to this day, even though I'm 31, even though I graduated 13 years ago, the thing that I probably regret more than anything is not standing up for myself when it came to that. Yeah, that makes sense. I would probably give a couple verbal shots back i didn't do enough because i still think about that stuff to this day and it's been so yeah see the way i see it is sometimes it's like yeah you stand up for yourself but the way society is set up today is if somebody is saying like something bad about you and you choose to ignore it you take like the mature route you're like this isn't worth my time then you get called names for like not being tough or not like standing up for yourself but then you stand up for yourself and it just creates more issues so it's like it's almost like a lose-lose yet if you change your mind to think like all right i'm not gonna let this bother me or i'm gonna stand up for myself and you just Focus on whatever is going to satisfy you in the end. As long as you're satisfied with the outcome, then that's really, like, all you can do. At that age, I wasn't anywhere near the maturity level that you seem to be. I I didn't know how to handle 
situations like that. And it, it, it wasn't only the stuttering. I have some Native American in me, so I'm naturally dark-complected. I tan well, and I used to get called many types of racial slurs all the time. I, I wish I would have thought of it back then, but being Native American, I was pretty much before everybody yeah. else. I got called the N-word numerous yeah. times. Numerous times. I got called racial slurs for uh, allegedly being Mexican. And I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're Mexican. That stuff doesn't yeah. matter. But at the time, I didn't know how to handle it. I, I wasn't anywhere near your maturity level to take us back and be like, all right, is this really worth getting upset over? Yeah. Because this stuff happened so much, Like I, I, I did have friends. I had quite a bit of friends. But when my school let out at 3.15, and when my school let out, and if it wasn't baseball season, I just went home. I didn't go out and um, go to friends' houses. I didn't sleep over. I was by myself all the time. And honestly, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure, just knowing who I am, that if opportunities came up for that to happen, I probably would have said no anyhow, just because it would have been less stressful for me, not knowing what the other person would do. The people who would say these things, they would always be cool with me, and they would, if we, if it was a one-on-one conversation, that stuff wouldn't happen. Yeah. Once the buddies came around and somebody said something, it was like a domino effect. Everybody would just jump on Yeah, board. I noticed that a lot. It's like... The people's attitudes change. Like you could have a nice one-on-one conversation with somebody, and then the minute their friend group comes around, their whole attitude changes, and they're like a different person towards you. For example, a lot of the things I've noticed is, like personally for me, I listen to rap music. I like to put shoes like Jordans and things like that. So people will say, "Oh." He he pretends to be black or like things like that. But then I look at people who wear like the stereotypical like khakis with like, I don't know, like a Vineyard Vine shirt. Right. And then they get called preppy. So it's really like how you take it. Like no matter what you do, people are going to have an opinion and people are going to like try to spread negativity but like i said just satisfy your own personal like wants and needs play a little game here you got a new student arrives at your school you are the first person that they meet Mm -hmm. okay you're the very first person you guys are walking in the door together that person is nice and they introduce themselves and they ask you what the school's like your school right now that you currently go to in ninth grade yes what do you tell that person um, I would say the atmosphere is pretty neutral. Like, not many crazy things happen. Our school is fairly ordinary. The kids, it, it depends who you meet. Some of them might be, like, some of the coolest, nicest people you'll ever talk to. And then some of them might just be not so good people. But... For the most part, my school is not that bad. Like, just straight up, honestly, it's it's simple. Like, it's just nothing 
special about it. I can honestly say I probably would have said the same thing. Although this stuff happened to me back in the day, because the one-on-one interactions were always solid and yeah. good, I probably would have said the same thing. Now, when I mentioned about getting real, I'm going to I'm gonna mention something else, because you watched all of season two. Yes. When Tyler and Cyrus were out shooting their guns, yes. what was your first initial thought? All right. So I remember watching that part. I was with my mom. And I remember clearly saying, I was like, I have a feeling like Tyler might shoot up the school. It just came to me like listening to like the type of things he was saying and watching them shoot and just honestly like the stereotypical kids who have been shooting up schools. That was like the first thing that came to my mind. I was watching with my girlfriend and it was hers too. She said, oh my God. He's going to end up shooting up the school. Yeah, that's like my initial thought. Well, I want to share something with you. In 2009, I went to a police academy in Pennsylvania. As a cadet, I was a part of a simulated school shooting. Us cadets were students. We were in this school. I'm not going to name the name of the school, but we were in a high school. And all the teachers had to be there. The principal had to be there. all, All faculty, all staff. The gunmen were troopers. The teachers were in their own classrooms, okay? Yeah. Because this was a simulated school shooting, the the shooters knew where us cadets were. We were the only students there. Yeah. This was a drill, so the teachers knew what to do. And this was back in 2009. The way that it's going now, it's like every month there there is a shooting somewhere. Yeah. The school is on lockdown. The doors are locked 24-7. And the office staff has to let you in the doors. Is that how it is at your school? So, our doors are locked. And the way our school is set up is kind of strange. Like, there's no, like, real front door. Okay. And there's, like, an intercom thing on one of the doors where you have to, like, ring the bell and stand in front of the camera. And then they see your face and let you in. That's good. Yeah. But there will be instances where if a kid see somebody standing at the door, they'll let them in just so they don't have to wait for the bell. Right. And, like, we've been told not to do that anymore after all the shootings have happened. But for the most part, the doors are locked. But at the same time, they're all glass doors. So So the whole faculty was there, the entire staff. The doors are locked. The intruders, the shooters, from what I recall, and this makes you think a little bit, I know that schools have uh, up security in the past few years, which is great. These shooters picked the locks to get into the school yeah. with plastic butter knives. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Plastic butter knives. Yeah. So here's how it went down. We're in the classroom. There's a teacher. It was a guy. The teacher was at his desk. Us cadets were in the chairs like students. We're just like a normal class. And all of a sudden, we heard guns going off. The shooters had assault rifles with blanks in them. We were on the second floor of this school. This was a two-story school. And our classroom was right in the middle of the long hallway that ran the length of the building. We were directly in the middle. So we're in a classroom, and there's boom, 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 just shots going off everywhere. Teacher, with their training said we need to hide in the corner we hid on the same wall as the door if you can imagine this all right 
Imagine a rectangle. Yeah. We are on the same wall, but the opposite end of the door. So we're on the front left side. Yeah. So if he's able to look in through the glass, he doesn't see anybody because we're in we're we are tucked back in in the corner. Yeah. So what we did was we shoved the book cabinet in front of the door after we locked it, shoved the book cabinet in there, and then took the teacher's desk and shoved that behind the bookcase. Okay? Yeah. You following yeah. me? All right. So the door's locked. Then you got a bookcase. Then you got a desk. Yeah. And the whole time, we're just hearing boom, 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 boom. And it's getting louder, which means it's getting closer. Yeah. We knew of this whole drill, so we knew what was happening. Yeah. The shooters were actually our instructors in class. Yeah. So we knew them personally. But it got, it ultimately got so real, one of the cadets that was actually like hiding with me in the corner, yeah. he was sitting right beside me. It was so real, he quit the police academy the following morning because of anxiety. Really? And and we knew these people, yeah. right? So they had assault rifles and they had some pistols. They know what door we're in. So the there were two shooters. The one was trying to fight off the police after they got there. And the way that they did it was the police were actually at their station so they could track their response time. Yeah. Okay? So the whole time these shots are going off at the beginning... There's no one there to help defend us. Yeah. It's just them and people hiding. So the one shooter is trying to fight off the cops, and the other one is trying to get in our classroom. Yeah. With that plastic butter knife, he gets into our classroom. He unlocks the door. And when I talk about how real this thing was, he took no mercy on that door, on the bookcase, or on the desk. Really? He threw his shoulder in, he broke the bookcase, uh, flipped over the desk, and what he did was he hid in the classroom because by that time, the police officers came up on the steps, and there were steps on both sides of the hallway. Yeah. So you could come up this, to the second floor on the left side and the right side. So the cops, what they did was they split up. A team went on the left and a team went on the right. So the shooter had nowhere to go. They were starting to close in on the guy. Yeah. Right? So the gunman is in our classroom. And he comes over and basically um, he sacrifices a couple of us. I was one of them. So what happened was he would grab somebody and he was forceful. He ripped on our shirts he ripped one kid's shirt. He yanked us around, pulled us to the door with him, and he's talking to the state troopers. And he, he was talking to them like, you know, step away, step away, back down, put your guns down. If not, then boom. You know, he was going to sacrifice a student. And that's what he did because the cops didn't back down in this. That's – so yeah, that's like – that's like more intense, but at the same time, if you're working for the police academy, I mean, that's like the proper training. It was so mentally scary. Yeah. It was, it opened, it opened your eyes yeah. to many different things just at the snap of a finger. 
you realize how people's lives could change, yeah. right? So he takes this one kid, yanks him up, and what they did to sacrifice us is he had a pistol in his hand, had a blank, and he shot it in the air. And then he tossed us in the hallway, and before he tossed us in the hallway, he said, stay down. Just stay there, yeah. okay? So that was the only, like, real, that was, like, the only normal conversation throughout the whole thing. He said, I'm going to do this. You go out there and you lay down. So he throws this kid out in the hallway. Boom. And he comes up to me that I'm second. And he has, um, he has a pistol and he puts it up to my eye. Really? I'm sit, I'm sitting there, not like Indian style, but like I got my knees like up to my chest and I got my arms around and I got my head down because you don't want to make con- you don't want to make eye contact in this situation, yeah. right? Whether you know him or not, you know it's. You know it's like a little skit, but you don't want to make eye contact. Yeah. So, he came up, and uh, he grabbed me by the hair on the top of my head and kind of like tilt my head yeah. back. So I would look at him. And he, and he puts his gun right in my face. To the point where I could look out of my left eye and look up the barrel. Really? Yes. And he, and he said, come with me. So, like, obviously... Because I watched the first one, I knew what was going to happen, yeah. right? So then he does the same thing. Boom. He f- And part of the reason why they did this, and I'm, it sounds scary, and it was scary. Like, I, I looked up the barrel of a pistol. That's scary. Whether, whether it's blanks or not, it's yeah. scary. But part of the reason why they did this with us is because these are situations we could have to come into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it had to be real. Yeah. They had to know if we could handle the Yeah, heat. it makes sense. So I'm standing there with him. He fires. He said he um, he told me to lay down out there. He tosses me out the door, and I'm laying there. And I'm face down, and we're not supposed to move. And all you hear is you know, like, kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. And there's just stuff going on over you. And... I was able to watch the cops the way that they the way that they maneuvered to get this guy. Yeah. Was absolutely incredible to watch a team of police officers do what they can to stop a school shooting back in 2009 was absolutely incredible. And so being a part of uh, being a part of a simulated school shooting and seeing what happens and feeling the rush, feeling the pressure, feeling the horror of yeah. it. And then watching Thirteen Reasons Why, I'm like I said, I I, did, I didn't get to see the whole thing, and there were some things I didn't ask my girlfriend, and some things I didn't do research on about the show because I didn't I, I don't want to know if it happened yet or not. I believe it's going to if it didn't happen already. But the fact that I saw Tyler and Cyrus on there doing what they were doing. It obviously makes you think that's going to happen, especially with the way that the world is yeah. now. And going through that, I know it's fiction. I know it's a TV show. It's a phenomenal TV show, but it scares the heck out of me. In all honesty, I think um, whoever wrote 13 Reasons Why did that on purpose because of all like the recent events, like with all the shootings and the controversy. 
I think they did that to add more interest to the show. Is it okay? All right. Is it a good thing that something like that was is in this show? Good as in like like good for them to get like views. Is it good that that is it good that they put a scenario like that in this show, knowing that everything that's going on in the world right now? Is it good to expose that in this show? Personally, I from a high from a high schooler standpoint, knowing that you're in a school, the same type of school that these kids are in high school. Yeah. How does it How does it make you feel knowing that something like that is on TV? Personally, I think it was smart. I think it was. Here's why. I think it was good in a business perspective, but also in the way that. It gives you a feel. No one ever knows when someone's going to shoot up a school. No one knows why. It gives you more of a feel as to the shooter's, like, standpoint or what might push somebody to do that. And it gives you, like, it shows you all the perspectives. I think it was smart because it, it can open your eyes to see different perspectives it can create new interests and more controversy. And it can create awareness. Yeah, because a lot of the show is about awareness. Like, they have, like, the, the um, I think after the show is over, they show, like, the resource hotline information. Yes. I think they did that because of the back, honestly, because that's not in the first Oh, yeah, season. definitely. I noticed that, too. Like... Yeah, they, they did that because of all the backlash. Yeah. I was reading some tweets. If if you Google the hashtag 13 Reasons Why, you you read stuff about that, you know, like why why it was not in the first show, but now it is and everything. Yeah. It's because it's a very talked about show because it's so hard to yeah. hit. You read this everywhere. If you do any type of research or just type in, type in Google 13 Reasons Why, yeah. People are saying, and it drives me nuts. Do you feel that the show is glorifying um, teen suicide? No, not not in any way. Like, okay, that was a big thing in the first season, which never made sense to me because if it was glorifying it, I feel like there would have been more of, like, self-harm. Like... I'm trying to think how to word this, but like glorifying it and showing people something that's real is completely different. Like, I think people just aren't used to seeing things like that. And when you see something that's that like relatable and that deep that you aren't expecting, people don't exactly know how to handle it. It, creates a lot of different emotions it can make people sad angry some people might watch it and not really care that much but it really i don't think it glorifies it at all i don't think it does either but this is where i kind of do differ the actors and actresses do so well in this show oh, yeah and the show was the show was so well written even if you don't have a heart, I don't know how you couldn't feel something about this. 
I agree, but I know some people who, now I don't know if they're just saying this because people will say things to try and stand out or think they're cool, but I'll hear people be like, it's not even that good, or they'll be like, I watched it, I didn't really think anything of it. I don't know exactly what drove them to say that, but I have heard people who were like, yeah, I didn't... I didn't really care about it that much. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, like, that's like... That really does show you how... How many people have different opinions, though. Because, like... For me, personally, that's, like... The best show I've ever seen. Like, I've never watched a show like that. And then to hear somebody be like... It wasn't that good. It's, like... Surreal. I've never in my life watched a show that... I can relate to as much. Yeah. And the thing I noticed is with the acting, the actors are, like, outstanding to the point where you're watching it, and it's like it's like you're not even watching a show. You're emotionally invested in the show, and you feel like you know yeah. them. Yeah, and it's like the, the writer almost immediately forces you to develop an opinion about the characters and, like, your own like what side you're on and it's like that's smart in the way that it gets you more involved and it like it allows you to become it allows you to like not just be watching it but feel like a part of it i'm totally captivated by this if you think about it how genius is it that this show came out at this time this time in the world with all with everything that's going on with all all the negativity, whether it's political, whether it's I don't know the NFL players not standing for the national anthem, it's this show has come out at the perfect time because we are in a quote unquote PC era, yeah. and finally, which I'll be honest with you, PC era drives me nuts. Yeah. I don't like it. It feels like. It limits you. You can't 100% be yourself. Even if what you're thinking or saying is not negative, you still got to watch what you yeah. say. Yeah. Finally, there is something that's breaking the wall down and showing some realism. Although it's fiction, it's realism because these events do happen. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most realistic things I've ever watched. The Tyler scene at the end of season two. Yeah. yeah. I know what happens terrifying my girlfriend actually did some research you're an athlete right now you're a high school athlete and that should be one of the greatest times of your life this never happened um the what happened in the tyler scene never happened in anything that i know of that i was part of any team whatever it never happened but statistically According to research, one out of every six athletes, not maybe not that exact, but something happens that is some sort of sexual harassment. Really? One out of every six high school athletes. See, I would have never guessed that. I, do, I never would have guessed that either. Like, honestly, that part of the show, if you would have asked me before hearing like the statistic, I would have been like, oh, yeah. That's just another one of the things they add in to make it more interesting, even though it's not realistic. In the show, 
It all started because they were mad that he messed up the feud. Well, one, they don't really, they don't, the students don't take care of the field. And I've never really heard of, like, any of the athletes that play for the school teams be that into it where they get that worked up over something like that. Because of who he was, it's because of what he was a part of, and what he did, and who it could affect. I think... See, one of the things that I didn't understand was why he posted it in the first place. Like, so initially, I thought he was trying to, like, get back at Cyrus for something and didn't care what happened to him. But then he was saying that it was like they were going against the system. And I just, that that part confused me. Although I haven't seen... The parts that you're talking about, I have heard a little bit about it just through conversation. So basically, he he had he had pictures where they were spray painting like the baseball field, like he had pictures of him and Cyrus in it with the lo- like the um, anarchy logo painted, yes. and he basically posted all of them, and then Cyrus went up to him the next day and was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" We're in so much trouble. And he was like, it's punk, right? And he was like, "It's we're beating the system or something. At that moment, it's a little bit more than punk. Isn't yeah, it? That, like, that whole thing just confused me. This show, it hits home with a lot of people. Yeah. People in my home, it affects because it can bring up emotions from incidents in the past. Yeah. Myself included, in my home, myself included, yeah. my, my family members, I know would be able to relate to the show. I don't know many people that could watch this show and not see anything in their life that could not match anything on this show. Yeah, I agree. Whether it's whether it's just a small bickering or whatever, this show has something that can affect everybody. Mentally and emotionally. Definitely, I agree. From a personal level, what has this show done for you? So... From an emotional standpoint to the way you look at the world now, if it's any different than before you started watching, how can you relate? So... What's this show do for you? So, last... When season one came out, it was... It was strange how the timing worked out because... I'm not going to say too much about it, but at that time, I was going through some, like, mental issues, and I watched the show around that time, and it really, like, spoke to me emotionally, and it was, like, through that whole summer, I had been going through that type of stuff, and I ended up watching season one, like, a couple times, and then season two came out, and as I was watching it, it brought back a lot of the feelings I had felt when I was going through those things around season one. And Positive feelings or negative feelings when you start to watch season two? It was, it was, it was on, it was both because it brought back the negative feelings, but it brought back a lot of memories that some were good and some were bad. It was very like nostalgic watching it 
and feeling the same feelings again, even though I wasn't in the same like emotional point I had been in. Although the show portrays what it portrays, are you saying that you feel like it's helped you? I feel like it's opened my mind to different perspectives because the way I see it is the show shows you points from the jocks, the quiet kids, the kids who get picked on, the more nerdy type kids. It shows you all the stereotypes in everyone's point of view. So it helps you make judgments as a person, especially for those of us who are still in school. And it helps us like realize the things other people go through. Do students in school talk about the show in school? Yes. So it's a pretty popular thing within the school system? Yes. A lot of people post about it on like social media. There's a lot of um, just anytime you see someone post about it, there's always comments of people talking about it and there's a lot of news. What's the biggest thing that you're hearing? Um, so for season one, there was a common thing that people didn't like Hannah. For season two, a lot of people like Justin and don't like Clay as much as they did in season one. What's your take on that? So season one, I think... Alex and Clay were probably my favorite characters. And then season two, I had changed more to still Alex, but also Justin. And I also realized that I didn't, I wasn't as much of a fan of Clay as I was in season one. Were you surprised about what happened to Alex? Um, about like what he did that, like before. Like, in between the seasons, or, like, what the people had sent him? When he ended up shooting himself. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, because just seeing him as a kid, and the, the small, subtle things he would say, like, he would, he would always say things, like, that could make you think that he would do something like that. Pretty emotionally unstable. Yeah, like, just the things he said sounded like setups for like it was like foreshadowing what's your takeaway from season one and two you, you put everything together you know the stories in the first hannah baker commits suicide yeah. the second we're in the trial yeah so from watching both seasons i've realized that one some people who you you have to watch out for some people if they say small things like that may lead you to think they're emotionally unstable like Hannah and Alex both had mentioned things that would lead you to believe they would do something but since they weren't like major things they weren't taken seriously which I feel is the case a lot today where kids will say things and just aren't taken seriously so I've learned that it's important to understand that not I guess just to take kids seriously and recognize like cries for help keep your eyes on your yeah open. and just be there like if you've got a friend that you're close with or somebody you not even if you're not close with them just be there for somebody because you never it's really not all that hard to do like just a simple how's your day 
hey, just checking up on you, can honestly, like, a lot of people don't think so, but it can make people's days. And, like, I've experienced this. Like, if I'm having a bad day, having somebody just text me randomly and say, hey, just checking up on you, just shows me that somebody cares. There's more than just the people at yeah, home. Yeah, and it's like... It feels good, yeah, doesn't Yeah, and it? it's like not everyone's situation is the same. Some people might not have that support at home. Some people might not have, like, a best friend to talk to. Just that random, how is your day, shows them that somebody out there actually cares about them specifically. How does the atmosphere and conduct of your school compare to the way that the school is depicted in the series? The atmosphere of the schools are very different because in in the show, the kids seem to get away with a lot of things. Like, for example, fighting in the hallways, um, just different things that are reported. Doesn't seem like there's much like disciplinary or just like punishments. Whereas my school, there's always monitors in the hallway. Teachers seem to take care of things a lot faster, and I feel like there's more of, like, a um, disciplinary system in, like, reality. Okay, so you mentioned that you went through a little bit of a rough time mentally. What do you think was, from a mental health standpoint, what do you think was accurate from the show, and what do you think is, is missing? When it came to Hannah's situation, I feel like they rushed into her suicide too quickly because it's almost like she goes from like living her like high school life and some like things that happened to her that happen in regular life and then all of a sudden they just jump to her committing suicide. I feel like they should have built it up more and showed her like emotional like struggle a little bit better so you're saying share the share the scenarios that they show in season two yeah like for instance the zach yes like i think if they would have showed that in season one it would have changed a lot of opinions and also like i just don't feel like they built up how Hannah's like emotions were when it came to her and like wanting to kill herself. Like I feel like they jumped to that too quickly. So what about dating and relationships? Do you think was accurate in the show? And is anything missing from that from a high school standpoint? Um. So I noticed in the show, a lot of the relationships were based off of like sexual wants, primarily on the male side, which. I agree is realistic. What I've noticed is most guys at most high schools tend to be on that side of things. And I think the relationships were fairly realistic compared to like regular high school. The interaction between not necessarily a boyfriend girlfriend, but the way others talk to each other and they interact. Yeah. What do you think could have been done to get Hannah support or what could have been done to prevent her 
from taking her own life. I think having more reliable friends because you see she goes through a lot of friends and she never really has that one good friend who's there for her through all of it. So she kind of deals with things on her own throughout the show. And I think if things at home, like, she wasn't always very close with her mom. Like, you see her mom was strict on her when it came to homework and things. And Is that necessarily a bad thing, though? Not when it comes to, like, the homework, but with, like, their relationship. It didn't seem like they were, like, like very, very close. What could have been done to prevent her maybe more compassion from her parents? Yeah, or just more, more support in general. Like, I know her parents couldn't always tell, like, when she wasn't doing well. But being closer and just spending more time with their kid in general... I feel like it could have helped. Um, yes and no, in in a sense that if I were to have a child, I would make it my goal to be very close with them and to develop a strong relationship and be there for them and love them unconditionally. So I would definitely give my all, but at the same time, it would be hard to let them go off in the world where I wasn't and experiencing like I know how kids can be and I wouldn't want my kid to experience some of the things I see happen in school the hardest part about watching my kids grow is knowing that and it does time flies man I know you don't know what that's like yet but like when when you have a child I feel like my daughter was just starting to crawl she crawled for the first time on Thanksgiving of 2017. A couple months ago, she started crawling. Now she's walking all over the place. She's climbing steps. And the fact that she is growing up so fast and is able to do all these things at such a rapid rate, it terrifies me that time's going so fast that in a couple years, she's going to want to go do things on her own. She's going to want to be with her friends. And I know your mom went through this, and I know... Your dad went through this. Yeah. Because it's just natural as a parent. But you hear all these things on the news. You watch TV shows like this that are very realistic. And you know that certain incidents happen because you hear of them or you've you know read things about them. And the fact that my son and my daughter are sometime going to be out on their own and I'm not going to be right there by their side. It is so stressful knowing that you're going to do whatever you can to teach them how to counter whatever situations are going to be thrown at them. You're going to have to let them walk tall and figure things out on their on their own. It is incredibly terrifying. Yeah. So many people get away from the saying, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. I know I've been guilty of that hundreds of times yeah. in my life. But if you just take a step back, one thing that my father has said to me, everything you do in life will always affect somebody else. That's true. I've, I have messed up numerous times in my life. I've done things that I'm ashamed of, things I'm not proud of. I've done things that I'm very happy with. And no matter the situation, no matter where I'm at in my life, no matter if it's a job, no matter if it's at home, no matter if it was in school, 
everything I did always affected somebody else. Yeah. Uh, don't don't ever forget that. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you put yourself in a scenario, whether it's in the future, whether it's years ago, or whether it's now, whatever you do will always affect someone That's else. That's true. Say that we're in school together, yeah. okay? And I'm going through a tough time, and we've been friends for a long time, for years. We grew yeah. up together. I lived down the street from you our entire lives. And then all of a sudden, my attitude just starts changing. From a physical standpoint, you can see that I'm emotionally struggling. Yeah. Just something's yeah. off. Having gone through some things yourself that you said, what do you say to me? So, first, I would just make sure. I feel like it's important to find out where they stand and how they feel so you know, like, how bad they're feeling. If they are going to do something dangerous or if they just have had some not good thoughts. I would make sure, just make sure that I'd be there and supporting. So you're saying find the root of the problem. Yeah. So there's no gray area anywhere. Yeah, like. Boom. This is what the issue is. Because it could be like you just need someone to talk to or maybe you really do need like serious help. So just establishing the other person's standpoint in the first place can make it a lot easier. But, for, yeah, just make sure you're there for them, check up on them, stand up for them, and never let that person feel alone. One of the biggest issues with me growing up when this stuff would happen was I was a kid, and I don't know if you're the same way as I was. Hopefully you weren't. But one of the things that I did was I never opened up to anybody. I would say, you know, to my parents that, yeah, you know, they're making fun of me for stuttering and all this. And, you know, they're dropping the N-word on me all the time. But I never, very few times did I come out and say that. I did say it. And my parents were always there for me. They always gave me advice. I have wonderful, tremendous parents. They've always been there for me. But so many times in my life, I never spoke up about anything. I just absorbed all of this. Yeah. Right? I absorbed everything. I kept it in. I didn't speak out. I didn't stand up nearly enough or as often as I should have. And I used to write notes. To myself very degrading notes with terrible language especially at that age I would say all these things and in a way it would make me feel better but ultimately it 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 was like for instance I guess the analogy I could use was say since you're an athlete I'll I'll use analogy say that you hurt your knee, okay? Yeah. And you can't get it fixed, but they can give you a cortisone shot, which hides the pain. Yeah. That's what my notes were to me. I was still injured, yeah. but I was giving myself a cortisone shot through pen and paper. And I used to I used to write these all the time, just saying how worthless I was, saying how I wasn't worthy of this or that. 
and I would be angry at myself because I do stutter. Even though it was something that I clearly could not control, I couldn't control how tan I am, I would write all these things, all these notes full of hatred to myself. And I remember one day I came home from school and my dad was at my mother's house. My parents got divorced when I was two. And at the time, their relationship was not the strongest. And But I came home, but my father was there, which was very odd. Because my, my dad worked on the road all the yeah. time. So I come home, my dad's there. I'm excited to see him, because I would see my dad on the weekends. And this was a weekday. And they found all my notes. And I remember my heart just sunk. They were so concerned. They were so scared for me. And it was like at that moment, I couldn't believe that I personally would stoop to that level to almost believe in what the people are saying. Why would I, why would I write this stuff? Why would I, I was making myself feel more miserable because at that moment I felt like that's how I should feel because that's how I am made to feel every day. I can relate on so the beginning of this year I had kept a journal in my backpack where all the times I would feel like very bad I would just write down things like also degrading myself in a journal and one day I got called down to the guidance office and one of my teachers had found my notebook and read through it and saw all like the little doodles I drew and things I wrote. And it just made me realize like, I don't really think this stuff. Maybe I'm just exaggerating how I feel to express it in a better way. At that time, I didn't know how to find. I, at that time, I didn't know how to find a better way because I was so embarrassed. To, for some reason, I feel like I would disappoint my family. Yeah. If they knew that I was feeling this way, if they knew that I went to certain lengths to can to make myself feel miserable, because at the time I didn't care. I I, I didn't care if. If I added to the misery, it was everything that was bottled up within me because I would never speak my mind. I would never come out and say, hey, look, there's an issue here. I feel like garbage. I'm a young kid. I'm supposed to be loving this time of my life. Yeah. And I, I wasn't mentally strong enough. I wasn't mentally prepared. Although my parents would talk to me about it, I didn't know how to comprehend it. Yeah. See, that's also something that I've always been afraid of is just when you're going through stuff, you want to be strong. And it's like my purpose is just to make my parents proud. So it's like when they find stuff out like that, it just it's upsetting to know that in that moment. It's like you could have done more to help yourself, but to also help them. At that age, I, I mean, I can only speak from my own personal experience, but 
I was a pretty normal kid, so I feel like many can relate to what we're saying here. I feel nobody wants to disappoint someone that they love, yeah. right? You don't wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm going to hurt this guy's feelings. Yeah. Hurt my mama's feelings. Nobody does yeah. that. But at a young age, you deal with so much. Like, for instance, what we watch on TV. 13, 13 Reasons Why. That's, everybody can relate to something. Yeah. And at such a young age, it's so hard to figure out what to do when you feel embarrassed to say anything. I know, I felt incredibly embarrassed to say this stuff. That's why I didn't say anything. Yeah. You know? It's just... The feeling of knowing that you let someone down that you care about is just one of the worst feelings in general. And it's like... It's almost like you're trying to make other people proud, but you're not even proud of yourself. I understand what you're saying with that. Yeah. The other day, I saw a quote, and it it made me think about it a lot. It said, let your smile change the world, but don't let the world change your smile. How cool is that? And it, may, it just made me think a lot about personal experiences, and it's like, that's a good point. If you're happy, that feeling comes from within you so why should something that isn't within you be able to take that away it's crazy how everything works you can physically walk down the street say you're walking through your neighborhood yeah. right you can see you can physically see if someone is having a good day or bad yeah. day you know yeah. it doesn't take much in this world to know if someone's having a good day or a bad day and now look at social media you don't even have to see the person to know if they're having a good day or bad. Yeah. So I, that's a. Where'd you see that quote? Um, it was sent to me by one of my friends who had known about the stuff I was going through. Had just kind of sends me things like that every now and then. That's a good friend to have, man. Yeah, they they've been there for me through everything. That's really cool. That's really cool that that exists. I just because it's it makes me happy knowing I have that, and I just wish that more people could. What can you say to someone that's struggling right now, whether you know the situation or you don't know the situation? Because let me tell you, the platform that you have right now on this show, let me tell you why your voice is so important for a second. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna give you a brief little history of this show. Right. I grew up listening to talk radio all the time. To this day. When I'm in the car, the only time I listen to music in the car is when I got my family with me. Because my four-year-old, he likes to dance in his car seat. My girl can sing very well, so she likes to sing along. That's the only time I listen to music on, on the radio is whenever I got my family with yeah. me. To this day, if I'm by myself, I just listen to podcasts like this right here or talk radio. I just grew up with it and I loved it. And I sheltered myself so much because of my speech and getting made fun of where it curved my career path in a way. I grew to love this stuff so much. I wanted to, I always thought doing radio would be cool. 
I really did. I thought having a voice, being heard, a little bit of like celebrity would be cool. Even in a local small town area. Right now, I'm laying on my couch talking to you in a town of 6,000 people in the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. Yeah. But your voice can still be heard here. In the small town, there are local radio personalities that are known of who they are, how long they've done it, and how good they are. And radio is still a powerful thing. And I always wanted to pursue that because it just captivated me. My biggest influence is this guy named Jim Rome. Have you ever heard of Jim Rome? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, he was, he is, he still has a live radio show every week. It's three hours long. He is a sports talk radio host. Yeah. Okay? He's, ba- he's based out of California. He was the first guy that got me really into radio. He would have these athletes on and talk to them like they were like his best friends. Yeah. But like two or three weeks earlier, he'd make fun of him on the show. Yeah. And then he'd have him on. He's like, hey, buddy, you know, all this stuff. He'd be buddy, buddy. Yeah. And it always made me laugh because I would listen to him every day in the summertime when school was out. It's the only time I could listen to him because of school hours. He'd bash a guy. Then he'd have him on and talk like nothing happened. So so he was was the guy that really got me into it because it was so funny. But I never took chances – because I was so afraid to get made fun of and such. So I never pursued radio. And then one day in 2010, I decided that I wanted to do this thing called internet radio. Before podcasts were called podcasts, they were called internet radio shows. And I started one. And I did that for a little while. Then I ended up getting away from it for a little bit. And then I started this show. And this show is very unique. It's a upbeat. If you ever choose to listen to this episode or a prior episode, it's a very high-energy show. And it's heard everywhere. Why this is such a good platform to help other people, to let our voices be heard... To help someone that we will never, ever, ever see that's somewhere halfway across the world. This show has been heard in every single state, and it's also been in nine other countries. That's incredible. I have all the numbers to where people have listened to this show. So your voice right now, when this gets published, it's going to be heard in multiple countries to people you will never see to people that have problems that are going through the same thing that I went through that you are currently dealing with and people that will ultimately end up dealing with something because it's human nature. It just happens in life. What I took from that was you talked about how you were always afraid of doing like radio because of your speech impairment and like the stuttering. And now it's being heard in every state in multiple countries. That's motivation to everybody who's listening. And that's proof that nothing is able to hold you back except your own mind. I appreciate you saying that because me doing this is a big deal. Oh, yeah. And definitely. I'll be honest with you. I have had numerous interviews lined up. And I put them on hold because I wanted you on here. Really? 
I have about four or five interviews lined up already that were supposed to happen. And I put them on hold because not only having you on here, not only talking about this controversial show, not only expressing what bothers us and how we can cope with things and how we can help others, not only that, I was kicked off of the air on this very show, Todd Orndorff on the Toddcast, because of a controversial episode, okay? Yeah. And you are my return episode. You're my first episode back after being kicked off the air. And I wanted you on here because the hot topic of 13 Reasons Why, the fact that you are currently, at a young age, dealing with things that some 15-year-olds may deal with, some might not, the same exact thing, some might have other situations... But right now, the world is in such a whirlwind that it needs some sort of positivity, some sort of hope. It needs someone to reach out, someone to speak something, someone to speak some positivity. Because so much of this world is negative, and stories need to be told, people need to express themselves, and voices need to be heard. And... There's no greater time and no better episode to come back to than having a discussion like this with a mature 15-year-old that has an outlook on life, that has gone through things, that's overcome things, that's battling through things, that is going to conquer whatever he goes through and will end up being successful in life. That is what this world needs to hear because you guys... You guys in school right now that are learning new things that are advancing faster than any other generation, you you guys are the ones that need to be heard. And although the interviews that are to come are going to be great, they're going to be fun, they're going to be funny, if you choose to listen, I'm sure you'll laugh, because that's what my interviews are like. Although they are going to be there and they're going to be outstanding, this episode is what needs to be out right now. Your voice needs to be heard. You're an intelligent young man. Everybody always says it. You got the, you know, you got the whole world ahead of you. It was told to me. As I've gotten older, I can say that to you and actually mean it. You're a, you're a strong man and the fact that you were able to come on here and just speak anything about the way students can relate to the show, the way students can handle situations in real life, the way that you've handled things in your own personal life. Everything has been hope and everything has been reassurance that you can always turn a negative into a positive. That means a lot, first of all. And that's very true. And I feel like in the world, we need more positivity. Just... In general, there's so much negative. Never will you turn on the news and not hear something negative. It's just how society is. And I feel like if everybody could just work on spreading more positivity and happiness, just focusing on the good things in life, we would all be much better off. And for anybody who is going through somebody... Or who's going through something. There's someone out there that loves you. And someone out there that cares about you and wants you here. No matter if they show it 
no matter if you believe it or if you can see it, there is somebody on this planet that loves you and wants you here. That's just always something you have to keep in mind. And that's something with the show that shows like, like giving up doesn't just hurt yourself, but hurts the people who love you. And I can say from personal experience that when the time, like, when you're going through stuff, the people who really care for you will show it. Whether it's family or not, well, let's exclude family. From what you just said, that's when you know who your true friends are, right? For instance, the individual that sent you that quote and that's been checking up on you. That's a real friend. Yeah. Compared to, for example, if I post something that says, if I post something and I have like a sad face, people will be like, what's wrong? And then that's it. And they want to act like they care, but really they just want the satisfaction of knowing that they can be like, yeah, I tried to help. Unfortunately, I agree with that. I don't want to believe that that happens, but it sure does. And it's it's like it's more of a sense of like I guess selfishness in general, like caring more about yourself than wanting to actually help a person. If more people cared and wanted to help others, we would be in a much better position than we are now.